0: friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed, my name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoonfed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We just want to keep you guys up on the literature, and to do that, I will spoonfeed it to you. Let's take a quick look at everything that we're going to cover from this week. First off, uh, the best we've got for VL and DL. After that, there are two options to shut down the thyroid, which should you pick? Then, is a CT of the C-spine enough in kids like it is in adults? After that, patients in the U.S. have access to their test results immediately. How do they feel about that? And then finally, long resident work hours are probably bad for everyone. If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you are not getting the full Journal Feed podcast, only getting a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, all good articles. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, we don't ever want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, just get in touch. We'll help out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Seth, Walsh Blackmore, Sam Parnell, Amanda Matthews, Megan Hilbert, Doug Wallace, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump to the second article titled Comparison of Propylthiouracil versus Methimazole for Thyroid Storm in Clinically Ill Patients out of the JAMA Network Open. Now, your patient might not be wide-eyed and tachycardic because they're listening to you so intently they might just have, you know, proptosis and thyroid storm. This is a life-threatening diagnosis that can lead to multi-organ failure, which is, of course, associated with significant morbidity and mortality. So the sooner these patients get put on treatment, the better. You will, of course, remember from medical school the cocktail of medications that is used to treat Thyroid Storm. This will typically include beta blockers, thionamides, iodine, glucocorticoids, and cholesteramine. Likely, the most important step is the thionamides, which come in two flavors, propylthiouracil PTU for short, and methimazole. Quick reminder, both of these drugs block thyroid hormone synthesis. Now, which one of them should you choose? Well, in a non-pregnant patient, the choice is not always super obvious. In theory, you'd like to use PTU because it actually reduces peripheral conversion of T4 to d 3 which is helpful just, you know, generally, because T3 is the active hormone. However, PTU is more hepatotoxic, so methimazole might be safer. Methimazole also has a longer duration of action. The American Thyroid Association recommends PTU as first line. But there are other recommendations out there in the world. The Japan Thyroid Association recommends both PTU and methimazole. Let's do a little comparison. Or rather, not let's, but the authors of this study actually did one. A comparative effectiveness this study using a large, multicenter cohort from the U.S. premier healthcare database. They isolated patients with ICD-10 codes for thyroid storm who were admitted to intermediate care units or the ICU and received both corticosteroids and thionamides. This totaled a little under 1,400 patients, split about half-half between PTU and methimazole. The primary outcome was in-hospital mortality or discharge to hospice, which was 7.4% overall, without a significant difference between these two groups. Methimazole was numerically lower, at 6.3% instead of 8.5% for PTU. There was also no difference in secondary outcomes of organ support, adverse events, or hospital costs. This is a hard thing to study. Thyroid storm is not a very common presentation. So having limited data through just retrospective studies, it's not surprising that this is what we're resorting to. We don't know why each drug was chosen in each of these cases though, so it's, but it seems like methimazole might have been actually underdosed. Most of the doses being given were 40 milligrams rather than the recommended 60 to 80. This study seems to show though that both are good choices and I totally agree with that. But since we're pretty much operating under this you know, theoretical assumptions and with a little bit of wishy-washy data that's not super high quality, well then why not mix and match? Why pick one over the other entirely? PTU has other effects that you want, particularly at the beginning of treatment, slowing the conversion of T4 to T3. So if you start your treatment with PTU, and then later on, when they're out of the kind of more acute phase, you could switch over to methimazole, when the patient is more stable and you think it's safe to do so. This would be best of both worlds, since the longer duration of treatment with the methimazole is going to be, you know, with the safer drug. In a spoonful, this retrospective database study showed similar effectiveness for PTU and methimazole in terms of mortality for the treatment of thyroid storm. And then the third article, titled Pediatric Cervical Spine Clearance, A 10-Year Evaluation of Multi-Detector Computed Tomography at a Level 1 Pediatric Trauma Center out of the Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. In adults, a negative CT of the C-spine is pretty much the final word. This has been shown to be enough for unconscious patients to clear their C-spine. So it's definitely enough in well patients as well as even in intoxicated patients. That's pretty awesome. In kids, though, the dogma is that children are much more prone to ligamentous spinal cord injuries without imaging evidence, or Skywara, or whatever people like to call it. Now, for further evaluation, you'd have to get an MRI, but the usefulness of getting an MRI, that's definitely been called into question. So, is a CTC spine enough for kids like it is in adults? After all, it's no joke to get a little kid into an MRI. Little kids might need sedation whereas you don't really have to sit very long to get a CT. This study was a retrospective cohort study done using a trauma registry from a level 1 pediatric trauma hospital. To be included in the study, you had to be less than 18 years old with any C-spine imaging, be it a x-ray, CT, or MRI. The primary outcome was the occurrence of clinically significant cervical spine injury defined as requiring surgical fixation or placement of a halo. They had about 4,500 kids identified, 2,300 of which had CT scans of their C-spine. 300 had findings and 59 had significant injuries. Again, that was placement of a surgical fixation or a halo to be a significant injury. The sensitivity here of CT was 100% since there were no false negatives. There was a subset of patients who got a CT and then later got an MRI. And this was because the patient remained obtunded for several days after admission or had persistent pain, paresthesias, or weakness. Doing these delayed MRIs found 17 abnormals. But none of them were considered significant since none required surgical fixation or placement of a halo. I'd say that's pretty reassuring. And it seems like this study was already doing what I think seems to be quite prudent. Get the CT of the C-spine, and then if you have ongoing symptoms, I'd say it's definitely worth it to get a closer look. Get the MRI. But, you know, it is really nice to see that the CT did not miss any significant injuries. It seems pretty reasonable to clear the neck of a child after just a CT, even if they have a little bit of tenderness. Don't worry, about half of adults actually have C-spine tenderness at baseline. And kids that have broken their necks, they don't hide it. If they're alert, then they typically hold their head kind of oddly and they will not move it. Not to mention that most kids are not going to wear collars at home even if you ask them. We've definitely covered evidence for that already at the journal feed. In a spoonful, CTs of pediatric C-spines were reliable in ruling out all findings that required surgical fixation or placement of a halo in this single center study. Okay, that brings us to the wrap-up. What did we cover? Then from the second article, both PTU and methimazole look like good options for treating thyroid storm in this large retrospective study. From the third article, don't overutilize CTs of children's C-spines. But if one needs to be done, or has already been done, then you can feel pretty confident, from this study at least, that you haven't missed anything grave. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best place to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. If you feel like you're missing out a little bit, you'd like to hear more, you'd like to read these summaries, then come on over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and save lives, one spoonful at a time.